Merry Christmas. We're going to open the best gift this morning ever. If you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, you can follow along in the, there's a Bible in the chair rack in front of you if you don't have one. It's on page 855. I'm going to be reading verses 18 to 25 of Matthew chapter 1. Give you a minute to get there. <clears throat> Let's hear God's word together as I read Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these sayings, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Father in heaven, God, we pray you would work greatly um, in our lives today to open our heart and mind to understand you, Lord Jesus, and why you came. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. We want to see glorious saints. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> As a child, I, I, all my memories of Christmases were like, no stress. I, I, they... As an adult, it's a different story, but as a child, I just remember um, my biggest memory, this is kind of funny, but my biggest memory was were these perfectly wrapped presents. My dad was very meticulous and good at wrapping gifts under the tree. Um, and Joseph's first memory, it would not have been a neatly wrapped Christmas for Joseph. Think of his first thoughts of, as he looks back. Uh, disappointment, grief, confusion, anger, fear. I mean, it, his fiance was expecting a baby, and he definitely knew it wasn't his child. At this point, all his dreams were dashed. And unlike modern engagements, I mean, they were legally binding an agreement to be married. They were essentially married, but they didn't have the ceremony yet. Uh, and they weren't living together yet, but they were married. And now Joseph finds himself trying to figure out how to divorce his wife and do it respectfully. 
He didn't want to bring her through public shame. And at his worst, right, at his worst day ever, an angel of the Lord comes to him. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary uh, as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, son of David, you're a he's a descendant of David. He's being told that this child is from the Holy Spirit. He's being asked to be his adoptive father, to not be afraid to take this pregnant woman as his wife and then to be the adoptive father of this child who is from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary. Don't be afraid, Joseph, of the public shame. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to enter God's glorious grand finale of a story. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to take this child who will radically shape everything about you. Don't be afraid, Joseph. And like Joseph, once we understand who Jesus is and why he came, we're not afraid either to receive him and submit our lives to him. Once we understand who he is and why he came, we're not afraid either. It overcomes all our fears of receiving him as our Lord and Savior. So I, I just want to look at the passage and three questions. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And how do we respond? Who is Jesus? I think the first thing we notice in the story is that Jesus didn't come by human initiative. Uh, did you know Joseph never said a word? And actually, you can read all four accounts of the Gospels. He, he has zero words in the New Testament. We don't, um, he has no involvement. <laughs> Joseph, uh, you're here, right? You're a descendant of David. But that's it, man. Yeah, I don't need you to bring about what I'm doing. We only see his response. It's a response of faith and trust. He's trusting the Lord. And this whole account is orchestrated by a heavenly father, God the Father. Thousands of years of revelation in the Old Testament are being climaxed right now in this birth. God sent angels to announce it. Jesus' birth came about, it says, by the Holy Spirit. It says it twice, so you don't miss it. Verse 18, and then again in 20. There's, and again, there's no question Jesus was human. I mean, that's why Joseph was up in arms. She was showing. She was pregnant. He knew something was, was up. I don't know how he knew, but he knew. But the text makes it abundantly clear he had no involvement with this. This wasn't his child, and actually no man was involved at all. And even it set it up in the genealogy, and we passed over the long list of names. But if you look at the how each generation, it's pretty normal, like, so-and-so fathered so-and-so. So-and-so fathered so-and-so. That's how life works. We're all here because of a mom and a dad, okay? But notice with Jesus, it gets to verse 16. It says this, the refrain changes. Jacob fathered Joseph. So Joseph was normal, normally born. But he didn't father Jesus. It says in verse 16, he was the husband of Mary. So Jesus is inheriting the descendancy of Joseph through adoption. All the rights are being given to Jesus of like the heritage through Joseph, but not as a physical child, but Jesus is coming in in the family line through adoption. 
So Joseph is going to adopt Jesus. And believe it or not, the whole gospel story is Jesus. He's going to be adopting us into a great reward. That's for another sermon. In verse 18, it says, Mary was pregnant before they came together, solely by the work of the Holy Spirit, the initiative of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' birth, right away, the first thing you're knowing, this is not ordinary. This was a unique divine conception carried forward by God himself. The same Holy Spirit who is mentioned in Genesis 1, verse 2, hovering over the face of the earth, over the waters, this same Spirit is hovering over the womb of Mary, putting, knitting together, in the conception, knitting together all the humanity around Jesus who already existed. <laughs> this is the profound reality. The Holy Spirit is making a new creation in Mary of one who has already existed, a divine conception. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, all working for us and for our salvation. <clears throat> this divine conception was prophesied. Verse 23, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Translated, God with us. The quote is 700 years before Joseph and Mary. In Isaiah, as you read in Isaiah chapter 7 through 9 and forward, <clears throat> there's a partial fulfillment of this promise. But now the perfect ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy is being witnessed in the birth of Christ. Notice it says, they will name him Emmanuel. The angel's telling Joseph, you name him Jesus. They are going to name him Emmanuel. So who are the they? The they that they is referring to the whole people of God. They will be the ones who witness the unfolding of who this child will be. That's recorded in the Gospels and the New Testament letters. They are going to witness the revelation of this child. He will be called the Son of God. So there's so much more to read, and that's coming. They will call him Emmanuel. Joseph, what you see uh, really hardly... <laughs> just barely a shadow, they are going to call him Emmanuel because the revelation is going to continue and revealed in our New Testament <clears throat> about Christ. Jesus didn't need a human father because he already had a heavenly father. Jesus, the Son of God, was eternally begotten by the Father. Jesus preexisted before he took on flesh. This is what the Bible and the early church creeds confess to us. <clears throat> Just some examples. Gospel of John, we read, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Later, the Apostle Paul will just say it real simply in Colossians chapter 2. Listen to this. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. The early church creeds affirmed this when they said this from the Nicene Creed. The Son is begotten of the Father before all worlds. That is, Jesus existed prior to creation and has no beginning and no end. So while Jesus' humanity had a proper time in history, his person transcends time. So if you want the shortest way to define Jesus in three words, now you can use one word, but how about three words? 
God with us. God with us. As Matthew ends the gospel, so if you were to you know, take this week and read through Matthew, you're going to get to the end of the gospel. And guess what Jesus ends with? He says this at the end of the gospel. Jesus said this, I am with you always. So he literally is God with us forever and ever. That's how he wraps up the whole story. I am with you always. Jesus, God with us. <clears throat> the former TV personality, uh, Larry King, he once said that if he ever interviewed Jesus, he wanted to ask him this question. He would ask him, he said, I would ask him if he was indeed virgin born because the answer to that would define history for me. Indeed it would. Well, the evidence is here. The Bible teaches that the true Messiah has come. Jesus is the king and reigns over us. Don't be afraid to submit to his lordship. This is the Father's unfolding plan. The Spirit came to create a new creation of Mary. The Son has come to define history for all of us. The divine conception of Jesus is the most graphic reminder that God reversed the traffic pattern of all religions. Remember, religion is man's attempt to reach God. Well, Christianity is God coming to us in all our unworthiness and weakness. For there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So who is Jesus? Well, we have a savior in Jesus with no inherited sin from Adam. The divine conception unites his full deity with full humanity in one glorious person. God with us for all eternity. <clears throat> and the only one who can rescue us, save us, is one who is both God himself and is qualified to do this. So this leads us to our second question. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Um, maybe you guys did this uh, if you're married and have children. When we were, we were first realized we were going to have a baby, I remember we, we got those books from the library that were the baby names. A listed from like the most popular to the most obscure. And some of you went to the most obscure. Uh, that's great. That we, we, were, we were a little more conservative. <laughs> um, but... All the mystery was taken for Mary and Joseph. Whatever they were thinking of naming their first child, they just were told, name him Jesus. And it was a popular name at the time. This was a common name, uh, so it wouldn't have been too uh, crazy. <clears throat> and, like, um, uh, and, and like the name Jesus, the real meaning, though, is in his name. That, that's, why they, that's why the angel and why God told the angel to tell him the name of Jesus See, Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. So remember, they're speaking, they're not speaking the same dialect as before, so it'd be like the name transliterated or translated Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh saves. So that's what the name Jesus means. It means God saves. Savior is his name. That, that's the meaning of the name. Um <coughs> It, it, so can you imagine, so every time you say the name Jesus, just say this yourself. It, the name means God has come to the rescue. I mean, that, that's the name Jesus. That's like literally what his name means. God has come to the rescue. So like Joshua leading the people of Israel into victory, now one greater than Joshua has come. 
it says, verse 21, because he will save his people from their sins. It's very emphatic the way it's worded. He will save. He alone will save. Joshua is known for fighting against Israel's enemies in the land of Canaan. Remember that story, leading God's people in the promised land? And the whole story of Israel is fighting their enemies. Um, <clears throat> later on, Assyria will, kingdom of Assyria will attack. And then later on, Babylon. And even as Matthew is writing, so this gospel is written, Jews are under Roman occupation. So you can imagine, their, their imagination of a savior, of Messiah, was a real political hero. So someone to come free us from these outward enemies. Oh, sorry. Christmas is tough. <laughs> um, you know, save us from these outward enemies. Um, but notice, notice verse 21. It says, save his people from their sins. Sins. Notice that the, the strength of the point here is our threat is that we've all offended a holy God. We're all born enemies of God, and our sinful nature is what's at stake. What's it threatening us? The subsequent rebellion of that. This is what sin is. It's rejecting and ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him, living without paying attention to him, without reference to God, not being or, not being or doing what he, his law requires. It results in our death and disintegration of all creation. Our sins have alienated us from God. Our problem is not outside of our problem is not outside of us. Our problem is inside of us. And that's where Jesus is a greater savior. He's able to deal with what's really needed for us. In the Old Testament, sin demands payment. Uh, we read, you read the story, God provided temporary means of forgiveness of sins through the temple and the priests and the sacrifices. But those daily sacrifices were only a foreshadowing of the time when God will make a new covenant with his people through the Messiah, the great high priest, Jesus Christ. The once for all atonement of Jesus is a remedy for our rebellion. Get this, the only redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God in whom God became man to bear this penalty of sin himself. The, writers, the writer of Hebrews puts it like this. Listen to this. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters. Notice emphasis on he had to become human in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus will save his people from their sins through the cross. That's what we're going to read as you continue to read in the story as it unfolds. This is why Jesus came, to save us to the uttermost. Past, present, future sins, sins of omission, sins of commission, sins against God, sins against one another. Jesus saves from the penalty of sin. He removes the guilt and shame of sin by washing us with his own atoning blood. Jesus makes us right with God so we can come into his presence. So Jesus saves from the penalty of sin. Jesus also saves from the power of sin. 
He takes us from the dominion of sin and darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Under King Jesus, we're saved from the power of sin. That's what conversion means, being regenerated, being awakened. You're, you're a new creature in Christ. We can now say no to sin. That's what, the, that's what salvation involves. Jesus defeated all the evil forces that had power over us. Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. Jesus saves from the power of sin. Do you know one day Jesus is going to save from the practice and presence of sin? Jesus saves to the uttermost. He completely saves us. Jesus' saving isn't just to have disembodied souls in heaven. He has a far more wonderful plan of new bodies in, in the new heavens, new earth. <clears throat> but even now, we can experience ongoing growth as he's continually saving us. You can be saved and being saved. That's how scripture talks about this. We're being sanctified. We can begin to see now the transformation of the spirit. We can say no to sin's rule. We can put on love and gentleness. This is a transformation of his saving. We can actually love our neighbors. We can reach out to those around us. Oh, what a, what a glorious salvation. This is not just you're forgiven and then I'm leaving you alone. This is I'm going to indwell you and change your life and you're going to be with me forever. He saves us to the uttermost. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Don't be afraid to receive Jesus. In fact, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Bishop, Bishop uh, J.C. Ryle said this little phrase. He said, the name Jesus is a very encouraging name to heavy-laden sinners. The sweet name of Jesus. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. <clears throat> so if Jesus is the eternal son of God, made flesh to dwell among us, to save us from our sins, how should we respond? How, how do we respond to this? Well, obviously, Joseph wasn't asked his opinion. This was all announced to Joseph without deliberation and help. He simply was needed to respond. The most important event in the history of the world and Joseph just was told, don't be afraid. Go forward with this child. Take, take Mary as your wife. And likewise, our only response to receive the good news is to say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to take Jesus. He saved, notice what it says. He saves his people from their sins. So who will Jesus save? His people. Notice the saving work of Jesus is to save a people. Jesus is creating a new society, a, a people set apart, citizens of his kingdom, a collective group of people. Jesus will later call this people his church. Jesus said, I will, I'm building my church. God's people are scattered because of sin, scattered around the world. And Jesus is gathering a people, saving a people. Jesus is healing a fragmented world. Jesus starts gathering us individually, but it ends with a people, a, 
a holy nation, a collective group, a, the universal church, visible in local churches. And as you look over the immediate list of names, like in Genesis 1, uh, uh, Matthew 1, as you look over these immediate names, it gives you a little clue of who his people are. Um, two aspects, I think, are interesting to bring out. One is how broad it is. There's men and women, and there's Jew and Gentiles in Jesus' lineage. This is all a fulfillment of the promised Abraham, that one of his descendants would come to be a blessing to all the nations. And as you read his, the names of who, where Jesus came from, they're a broad list of names. So part of his people are going to be people from all nations. They're going to come. That's who he's saved. That's who he's rescued. Not only is it broad, though, it's also deep, like embarrassingly deep, <laughs> Sinner, sinfully deep. This list, I mean, if you're going to parade your pedigree online, you might, you might be tempted to hide a few people. <laughs> Got that incarcerated uncle. Man, man, does anyone know I related to him? Or <laughs> uh, That person did this in history. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't do that. Uh, in fact, Jesus isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Christ is willing to be identified with sinners. The people Jesus came to save are a broken people. I mean, David is known for adultery and murder. Abraham lied about his wife for, to protect his own skin. Jesus' family tree includes prostitutes, sexually broken, idolaters. This is why Jesus came, to rescue his people from their sins. But what about Joseph? I mean, did he need a savior? Wow, we know him, verse 18, outstanding guy. That's probably why Mary wanted to marry this guy. He engaged him. He was a righteous man. He was attentive to the law. He didn't want to publicly shame her. But, that's, but that outward obedience, Joseph would be outwardly righteous, but he still needed an inward cleansing as well. All Joseph's law-keeping didn't make him right with God. Jesus, Jesus came into the world to clean up the mess that we couldn't clean up ourselves. Joseph needed a savior. He needed this job. <clears throat> so whether your background is filled with shame or pride, your biggest need is the same. Jesus has come to save you from your sins. Don't be afraid to let Jesus shape everything about you. He's come as the Messiah King to rule the earth. He's the rightful heir of God's throne. Don't be afraid of what people will think of you following Jesus. Mary and Joseph had to face the shame of being someone who was pregnant before they were married. Jesus is costly. Following him will alter our lives. He's the true son of God. Give your whole life to him. Don't be afraid to admit your sin. Confess your, your sin. Be specific to Jesus. Agree with God in his assessment of you. Finally, don't be afraid to admit you need a savior. That you need someone to rescue you. You need someone to rescue you for salvation. And you need someone to rescue you a zillion more times every day. <laughs> There's ongoing mini rescues of our lives. That's what we need. We need a savior who is with us from the beginning to the end. That's what Jesus has promised.
throw yourself on Jesus today. There is no other Savior. The Gospel of Matthew starts with the Father saying this, Jesus, I'm going to send you on a rescue mission. Go gather my people. Gather my people. I'm going to send you on a rescue mission. And that, as you read the Gospel, that's what unfolds. Jesus gathering his people. And you know, at the end of the Gospel, Jesus is going to gather his church. He's going to say to us, go, gather my people. I'm going to send you on a mission. Go gather my people. So let's not be afraid to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. And we're going to be part of what he's doing in gathering others as well, just as he was sent, just as he was sent to gather those for us. That's why we're here. We're gathered by God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. So hallelujah. What a Savior. Let me pray.